If you give someone attention, uh, you've beaten the game. The trick is how to give them the right attention in the right way um, and how to direct that into something that's positive and productive. With what you guys have done with the profiles and with building out um, the, the amount of research you've done, you are giving uh, attention to somebody in, a, in an even more powerful way because the, the attention you're giving them is uh, information about the most important subject in their life, right? Which is them. Hi, everyone. This is Joshua Hoffman and Alex Garashenko, and welcome to another episode of the Masters in Marketing Agency podcast, where we deconstruct the why and how agency owners found their success and in season three, discuss how to build a community. Today, I have Brian Maddox, the founder and CEO of BizNet Labs, an agency that works with freelancers, solopreneurs, and independent contractors to build a network that actively helps its members and share successes and learn from each other. Welcome, Brian. Hi. Thanks for having me on the show. And just to uh, say to all the listeners, uh, we know Brian fairly well. Uh, he works with our, our production team here at Podcast or for the podcast. Um, so very excited to get into this. Um, but before we jump into the work stuff, which I, I really want to get into because I know you're very community driven, uh, I want to talk about something that you said at the end of our discovery call. Um, and you mentioned that your brain works differently in that you typically, I guess, don't know what you're uh, thinking until it's actually said out loud. Um, and I'm sure there are a few people that are probably actually like that. So what's it like being in Brian's brain? <laughs> well, I'll, I'll give you a good example, right? Uh, right now, I have noticed that I'm the only one that looks like Princess Leia on this call. You guys aren't wearing headphones. Uh, how, what's up with this? Anyway, the... the I got my the, headphone. Ah, there he is. Yeah, <laughs> stealth mode. I'm digging it. So the... the um, a lot of the way people that are visual tend to think is very much less, um, it's less concrete, right? It's moving things in space and time in their brain. Um, it's an ADHD thing as well. And so uh, what it's like, there's tons of YouTube channels about ADHD folks and their experience. And I think you'll find that that is really, really interesting. Uh, the overshare is real. <laughs> So you'll have to pair me back in the event that I'm oversharing. Oh, we're in the same boat there. So this, we'll see where this goes. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Uh, well, but like what, you know, what, when did you, when did you realize that? When did it become a thing where you notice like, okay, you know, a lot of thought. So for me, I'm the same way where my, my thoughts are all jumbled up there. And I actually used to think that that was a superpower and it was helping creativity until you realize then you get to execution um, and, and, and what got me here won't get me there. Right. Like the, that, that thinking that helps with brainstorming actually is, is counterintuitive for a lot of times for execution. Do you find the same thing at all? Um, yes, it's for, for me, it's very much, um, uh, I'm emotion first, right. I'm wired for sensitivity and it's part of the way that, you know, um, when you're growing up, depending on your kind of setup at home, um, you become super attuned to the emotional states of people around you while well, emotions don't come with you know a fully descriptive you know nuance for what they are it's not like you're setting variables in a database somewhere and so because you're working largely with feelings you have to be really good at describing and and describing those feelings and getting new names and new kind of nuance uh, 
And so as you go through that process more than a couple of times, you begin to realize that very, very much if you're led by emotions, which Josh, it sounds like you have the same thing I have in many ways, which is you feel it first and you think it second, right? The process is very much identifying what it is you're feeling because that is a uh, that is a huge boiling ocean at all times. So once you can give that a name, that's the process, right? So I feel first, I think second, and then I articulate that those thoughts third. Um, and then that creates a positive feedback loop or a negative feedback loop, however that works. And does that usually come out for you through conversation with others? Or is, is that like a dialogue that you can have yourself sitting down with a you know pen, paper, or however else you brainstorm? I do both. Um, it's for, for the most part, because I use my superpowers to help others. It's coming out in dialogue. Um, when I'm struggling, when I'm emotionally upset and can't really figure out why, um, or I am deep in my cups of suffering, whatever they might be. Um, it, it takes usually a kind of a hard kick for me to go, Oh yeah, wait, stop. You need to, you need to figure out what it is you're boiling about because you really don't know right now. And then in that process, I do that articulation. That's interesting. I feel like I do the opposite. I have a, I have an internal dialogue first before I speak with anyone. Well, so it's interesting you say that because a lot of the way that my sensitivity works is it's through conversation. So I resonate based on what other people feel. And in those dialogue, it's one of the reasons why I have a completely different interview style than you guys with your podcast, right? I, I pretty much have to vibe. It's kind of the way for me. I can't do a prescripted set of questions because if the vibe's not there, I can't get there from here. Um, and you'll find that you can, when, when you're sensitive, you can watch when people wake up and then that's where all the, the good stuff is. That's where all the money is. Uh, and you'll see, cause it'll happen. Yeah. I've seen that in you. You have this acute sense where like something will happen, you'll notice it and it can be very minor, but you pick up on it. So it's, it's, it's interesting what you see that most people don't. Thanks. It's definitely, uh, it's weird because I think a lot of it comes from a pathological place, right? Like growing up, you're hungry for attention from whoever. So you have to find a way to compete in an intention poor landscape, whatever that is. Uh, you know, it doesn't matter if you had doting parents or not. It really is just a function of how you adapt in the world. And so for me, it was, this is all a direct adaptive response to try and get the attention that I needed or I felt that I needed when I was growing up. It is, it is interesting to hear how people, especially when you talk to other podcast hosts, how they attack uh, their show. And, and typically it is a, a byproduct of who they are as a person. And, and I think that's usually what makes a good podcast is when that person's way of thinking or way of doing the podcast, they're not trying to like fake anything. It's who they are. And then it turns out their personality is actually good for podcasting. Yeah. Um, cause it is, I, I know we, you know, we've been on yours and, and you don't have any preset questions. You know, I have a lot of preset questions, but I only get to half of them. And we are usually adding questions, Alex and I during the whole thing. And, and I honestly, the reason I do it is out of fear. I, I fear that like my only way of doing a good episode is if anything is at least there, like I could read every question just down the list and it would be a good podcast. Cause I know I'm a decent conversationalist, but I don't know when I get into a setting like this, like I'm scared shitless that it's going to go wrong. Uh, and, really? and my way of doing that is like, just have your set, always have your transition question ready to go. And, and you can't see it, but like on the other side and Alex shares the doc with me, I always have my next question highlighted 
but it'll t- it could take me 15 minutes to get there because I'm typing other questions based on what you just said. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's cool. And, and, yeah, and, I also, and that's just the tip of the iceberg. I mean, <laughs> I know I've, if, I've if, seen if some of your recording. research. Yeah, the research end. I mean, that's a that's a whole different animal for Josh. <laughs> <laughs> well, I also think like that. You know, I, I, maybe that's that awesome. keeps Preston and Steve. Uh, I don't know. There's a morning show in Philadelphia called Preston and Steve. And when they do an interview, it doesn't matter who it is. You always hear that other person say like, oh, wow, you really did your research. And I think they become best friends with their guests because they cared about that. So that's another reason. It's also, again, I think it all stems from being scared shitless that I'm going to do a bad job. And and like the more research and the more prep I can do, the more I reduce that that risk. Um, I also think that we have two different hosts in this show. And we'll get we'll get to the relevant stuff after this. But um, I also think we have two two different hosts. You know, me and Alex are so different of how we attack this. And I don't think it could work any better. Um Based on oh, yeah. like, on the uh, since having them on, I think our episodes are just twenty times better. So, um, yeah. Just before you continue, real quick, um, on the research end, um, we'll want to pick your brain, Brian. Um, we have so much, I think, unique research because of the way Josh does it um, to set up the community in a very interesting way, where I think people can actually connect in different ways, not just not just by business, but kind of like more of who they are. So break that down. Let's- that. Let's jump into that. Let, uh, let's jump okay. into that. What do you think, you know, because again, let's let's recap what we're trying to do with this podcast, um, right? We we started as a podcast that interviews guests in our kind of, in our market that we're trying to sell to. Um, and then it turned into this whole thing like, yes, that was great. That was going well. Um, but now we're trying to build a community with the guests that we have because we noticed that, you know, a lot of marketing agencies, what they do is uh, they refer business to other marketing agencies because, you know, maybe I just do photography, but I need even a videographer, whatever it is. Um, you know, I do SEO, but I, again, then I need a videographer, what, whatever it is. Um, they, you know, it's impossible for every marketing agency to be great at everything. It's like, I always make the, the, uh, analogy of like a restaurant when you go in a restaurant and the menu is like a diner menu with a million things. That usually means the food's okay. When mm-hmm. you go to a, and it's usually fancy restaurants and they have like, they're just one little page, which I'm a picky eater. So I typically don't like that typically means that every single thing on that menu is spectacular. And that's kind of how marketing agency works as well. So again, what we're trying to do with this is turn this whole, all of our guests into a community. And if that, if that marketing agency needs another, well, we probably spoke to that agency. And not only can you just look at their website, you can listen to their podcast. You can li- look at this website that we built for them. Um, so I totally forget. Wow. Yeah, and so yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll pick that up. Um, if it was if it was just the showcase about the companies, it would be one thing. Like in, in a community, say, okay, here's here's different companies, here's what each of them do. But this is something that Brian pointed out to me, so I'd like Brian to go into it. It's it's not that because you do so much personal digging, and most of our episodes are positioned around who that person is, how they got to where they are, how they think, and because of that, what they're doing. Um, it's, it's almost, and Brian, you know, I'll I'll let you go into it. It's kind of like the profile that, um, is developing is something that, you know, potentially has for these people has never been, they've never had done before. Yeah. So there's some, some brilliance behind what you guys are doing. And I think it's important to, to know the, uh, the mechanics of that that genius right so the the very first thing uh that i want to point out is you guys are working with a very special mechanic uh and that is the attention mechanic right um attention and we talked about it even in the intro here attention is hard to come by and everybody kind of wants it 
whether they think they want it or not, and whether that valence on that is positive or negative, uh, doesn't really uh, doesn't really matter in many ways. People are wired to attract attention. Uh, when you give attention freely, right, or when you help direct attention to someone freely, that is probably the single strongest investment you can make. More important than money. More important than uh, pretty much anything else. If you give someone attention, uh, you've beaten the game. The trick is how to give them the right attention in the right way um, and how to direct that into something that's positive and productive. With what you guys have done with the profiles and with building out um, the, the amount of research you've done, you are giving uh, attention to somebody in, a, in an even more powerful way because the, the attention you're giving them is uh, information about the most important subject in their life, right? which is them. Um, you'll see the Gallup surveys, you'll see the Myers-Briggs personality tests, you'll see all these things and every single one of them makes money. And how, why, how can every one of these testing companies make money on these personality tests, these profiles? Because people don't know about themselves. You're giving them for free information about the only thing they know that they can't see. So it's like holding up a really cool mirror. And because you're a third party, because you're giving them um, that information uh, without really any meaningful expectations, uh, they're, they're now getting what other people see. Uh, and that's where it's weight in gold. That's interesting. Yeah, it's like, a, it's like a third party validated showcase on them. And what, what's going to be cool is I think if we take it the next step, because we've done, Josh has done so much research on on these people then we can make recommendations or here's someone awesome that i think you'll just like connecting with and maybe we'll do business together maybe you won't but i think you should meet you know and the way you say that is is interesting as well because it's not even just here's somebody awesome you guys go into enough detail that it's here's somebody awesome and you guys have the same favorite band or here's somebody great and you guys have this in common. Um, or I was just talking to this person and they described the exact problem you told me about two weeks ago. Um, this we is, had that happen recently. That was actually really cool. Someone wanted to know when Josh always asks at the end of the episode, um, what's a what's a topic that you want to hear discussed on the show? And the person said, um, building enterprise, how do you build enterprise value in a marketing agency? And literally, we had a discovery call like earlier that week with someone specifically who was just all about doing that and how he's doing it in his in his organization. And that that's going to be a future recording. So it was it was cool. I'm sure we'll need to pair those two up. I thought it was the same person. I was like, wait, didn't we mm -hmm. just talk about that? I was, yeah. <laughs> uh also I realized that. Uh, man, you talking about personality tests? I'm gonna. I'm glad we highlighted ADHD because I would love to go in that direction, but I'm like gonna hone everything in because I could spend another hour just talking about personality tests and how I want to invent one. So, um, but I guess to to give a little bit more color and to set up the rest of the episode, I want to go back all the way to 2008 uh, when you when you started your first business, um, because I think that that kind of you know what i'm actually going to take another step back because i have like a line of things that i think all kind of like spell each other out after so you mentioned you know thinking differently and and you mentioned being at home but i think it's not just at home right i think people who think differently tend to struggle in school because schools are almost not built for them 
Um, so did you have a teacher or someone that you knew that knew how to work with you? Um, and if so, you know, how did that impact you moving forward? Um, yeah, I have, I've had a couple in my life that have been absolutely amazing. Um, and largely it's because they, they invested in the person first, not the curriculum. Yep. Uh, the curriculum is exposed through a connection, not the other way around. You don't just put the curriculum out there and be like, here it is, off you go. It's, this is why I care about it and maybe why you should too. And that connection really made a huge difference. But I had um, uh, my fourth grade teacher um, and a teacher in high school as well, uh, both who just uh, really actually made me want to go into teaching, which is largely a sort of foundation of what I do in many cases. That was that. That last part was exactly what I was trying to check off. That will kind of wait for it. There it is. <laughs> and then, kind of like I was saying, you know, to again to give a little bit more color uh, and really to set up the rest of the episode, I, I want to continue kind of staying back there in 2008 when you started your first company. What was the business, and and why did you decide to start something? So I was working in large corporate, um, and uh, it was it was great. Like I airdropped in there with no knowledge, uh, largely with just a positive go get them attitude uh, and learned a ridiculous amount of stuff in an outrageously short period of time. If there's any one positive superpower of ADHD, uh, it is that you will airdrop in and learn like a crazy person until you're bored. Uh, now the until you're bored switch, if you can find out how to delay that, now you don't have ADHD and now you're just superpowered. Um, the 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 stuff that I learned in, in large corporate, I said, oh, my parents need this stuff. Small businesses need process maturity. They need um, you know, a technological improvement. They need all that kind of stuff. So I started a small consulting practice to help do technology enablement for small businesses to help them learn some of the things that big corporates know and forgot was their strength. Big corporates, though, can't turn on a dime. They take forever to make any sort of meaningful change. Whereas small business, you're like, hey, well, let's change the logo. Everyone's like, sweet, done. <laughs> and you're like, wait, we don't need four meetings on this? So um, I wanted to help the people that really um, uh, are essentially on the ground floor of enterprise and figure out how to help them make positive improvements in their business and in the world. So I started a consulting company, and it was uh, awful. Um, I didn't know how I, I wasn't, uh, it wasn't me as in, in many ways. So I started, it was, uh, and now it's going to be on record. It was strategic process Alliance, LLC. My email address required, uh, business cards, like double length business cards. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and it didn't work because I couldn't, I, I wasn't relating to people. Like they didn't know what that meant. They didn't know what consulting was. They don't know what technology enablement was. Um, so eventually I, through some go-to-market experimentation, figured out that it's probably better off to just say, rent a smart guy and leave it at that. Um, and uh, yeah, so that's how that started. And then I guess essentially start building traction in that way. So, you know, it went from uh, the note I have is failed miserably. Uh, qu qu your quotes. <laughs> yes, yes, works. That, that works. <laughs> Comedically. Miserably, I was, I don't know if I was miserable, but it was funny. <laughs> I remember it like visit, like telling my dad, like, "Oh yeah, I just filed my first LLC," and he's like, "Oh, that's great. What is it?" And I'm like, "Strategic Process Alliance." He's like, "Okay." 
<laughs> you know the okay that when like the yeah. kid comes home and it's got they got a mohawk or something and you're just like <laughs> it'll grow back <laughs> i had blonde hair i had to dye my hair blonde for wrestling so that's my version of that nice. uh, my hockey team shaved shaved my head in three places so that's awesome home with three mohawks it's basically <laughs> like a ram's helmet on my head the hilarious thing is i don't know a guy who doesn't have something that's like just like that like you had to go through the stupid it's just the way it works and um <clears throat> so we shave our head and then you change the branding to renasmartguy.com you start seeing a lot more success there obviously understanding uh you know the market and everything or listening to i guess listening to the market um or at least pushing against the market and not pushing back kind of thing uh so you make that change and you start to see some success and at one point I, my understanding is that you join a community called BNI. Um, so can you tell us just a little bit more what that community is? Sure. So um, I started in uh, October of 08. I joined BNI in January of nine. So, I mean, I was in business for less than three months. Uh, funny enough, my old man invited me to a networking meeting. It was a networking meeting, right? So I'm like, yeah, Chamber of Commerce, let's go. And then, I, you know, oh, networking meeting, that sounds great. I could probably win with that. Um, uh, walked in and... Um, man you know how when you expect the gift when you're a little kid on christmas morning and you're like oh man this is gonna be great i'm gonna get this it's gonna be awesome and you go and it's and the gift's not there well we're we're jewish but uh, yes <laughs> uh, all right perfect same deal. <laughs> i'm kidding i'm kidding I'm, yeah yeah it is <laughs> <laughs> like oh oh and then like the the long oh after that we're just like oh and you realize like this is all you thought you know you were told this was this is easy like go start the lemonade stand and you see little kids like yeah lemonade tycoons yeah but there's not a lot of lemonade tycoons out there it's surprising there's like two <laughs> so i was not as successful in the beginning and bni really helped with that so what bni is is it's a weekly um networking group one member per profession where your entire focus is to essentially develop those network relationships to uh, generate referrals. Um, there's some huge positives. Um, and for me, the huge positives were like a laboratory where I could go and test every single week. Um, and there's some huge challenges, right? Because they track performance and progress, even if you're not making any, uh, which means a lot of folks feel obligated to stuff the ballot as it were with stuff that doesn't count. So, um, but it's a, it's a, a wonderful organization. I was there for, uh, about 12 years, uh, and I took on almost every major role you could have at the local level. Um, towards the end, uh, I fell into teaching and was teaching a lot of folks how to best leverage the system, uh, for that laboratory experiment kind of model and to help them, um, uh, get better at how they're communicating to, to generate referrals. I want to dive into the laboratory because um, I think that's really interesting. It's a really interesting approach. I'm part of a local networking group as well, not BNI, but something similar. And just that mindset of treating it like a lab where you can test. Can you go into that and then how you see that being essentially a great use of a community? Sure. Um, so, okay. So I'll tell you a story. So this is a, uh, and all of my stories are super embarrassing and that's what makes them good. Um, so I started in BNI and like I say, in January, I go to my first, I decide to sign up, right? So 
um, I go and I, I become a member and my very first member commercial. So every week you give a 30 second commercial or a one minute commercial, depending on your regional jurisdiction. So um, they tell you, like, go in and tell folks what makes for a good referral. Nobody knows what that means. I didn't know what that means. So I showed up and I'm like, well, I'm a consultant. I try and teach people how to do things differently. So I show up with a banana. And uh, for those of you that know me, you know my wife's from Brazil. And in Brazil, they open the bananas upside down. It's like 10x faster. So if that's all you get out of this podcast, open your bananas upside down. Um, the so so I'm sitting there. I'm talking about like you know consultants teach you how to do things differently. You know you might struggle to tear the top off a banana. You'll get you know it, it won't look good. It'll be when you look at a cartoon and somebody throws a banana peel on the ground, you'll notice they're upside down. They're opened with the stem uh, such that it's sticking up. So. Um, so by the end of this, I open the banana and everyone's like, well, you know, you get the ooh, kind of like, yay, this is great. Um, so I'm sitting at the end of the meeting going, all right, there's 12 people. There are 25 people in the room. Uh, I could probably get 12 referrals off of that. And I got none. And not only did I get none, I was like, wait, wait, what? And it was worse insult to injury. The following meeting, people were bringing different fruits to try and say, well, how would you open this? And I went, this is not the way this was supposed to go. And, and because I had to deal with the fact that, you know, what I thought was clever and interesting wasn't effective. Um, I had to learn that everything that you're doing in an environment like this is practice. Um, and, and as practice, as that experiment, you, you have to evolve your approach to solving those problems. And as I went through, you know, week after week, year after year, um, I learned what works and what doesn't in this case. Um, and, and Alex, I think you and I spoke in uh, a couple of other kind of instances, but it's a, uh, when you're doing the referral generation stuff, it's very much like getting good at searching in Google. And we all know folks out there that are amazing at searching in Google. Like they can find exactly what they're looking for, first query, don't have to hunt. And then we all know folks that are like, I looked for four hours and couldn't find anything. And I'm like, do you really think the internet's devoid of the knowledge you're looking for? Or do you just not know what to type in there? Same thing is true with people. You just have to learn how it works, basically. It's interesting, you know, looking at it as a, as a Google search is is really interesting. Yeah, it it became um, uh, it became a really interesting thing because with Google search, the feedback is instant as well, right? But with people, it's um, if you don't know what to look for, it's it's not instant. But if you know what to look for, it's really pretty surprising. So in a in a meeting that like a BNI meeting, which has got a structured agenda, their meetings are about forty five minutes. Um, when you get to the end of the meeting, there's like open networking towards the end. Um, you'll know your experiment was successful when someone comes up to you after the meeting and says, I know the person that you were just talking about. Mm -hmm. I know the situation you just described. Let's figure out how to get you guys connected. And when you get good at this, you start to see it. People will be like, hmm. 
they they start to think about it like right in front of you. You can watch the gears turn, and it's it's amazing. What what would you have done differently in the banana time? You know, when you were uh, doing the banana pitch. You know, I I don't know that I can answer that question. It's very much like how would you have learned to ride a bicycle faster? Uh, a lot of it you have to go through, and you have to go through I, it in the way that your brain works. Couldn't agree more with that. Uh, the the not the problem. The not the mistake either. The error. The the failure. Uh, it, you'll learn more from that than than had anything been successful. Um, so then you drop out of BNI. Um, and, and the reason I bring that up is because again, I, I believe that you actually started another community after that. And again, I think this is the most community heavy episode that we've had so far. So, uh, you know, what was all that about? Um, so you may have, um, if you remember, I just spoke about one of the challenges of BNI is that, um, everyone's there to get referrals. And the underpinning of all that is a kind of a virtuous positivity cycle it's called giver's game the idea that you know you give to people and eventually what goes around comes around um the problem with that is you're sitting with a much bigger basket for what's coming around often than the basket of what's going around <laughs> and so you show up on a regular basis and you pour your heart out and for reasons that a lot of folks don't know because they didn't do the laboratory model with it or they don't know how to solve the problem they're not yielding a ton of benefit from it um and then from a performance perspective they'll actually eject you from the organization if you're not performant um and so uh when i decided that you know my time there was come to a close um i said you know what i really want is the lessons learned community that comes from small business ownership i don't necessarily the referrals are great and they're interesting because they solve a problem that a lot of folks struggle with the whole bd problem um but more important than that is all the other business stuff the stuff that i really got into business for was like take these great lessons learned from you know bigger organizations or ones that have successfully solved the problem and then help other guys go through that help them start their business, help them start an email campaign or start a podcast or start whatever it is they're doing and then bring those lessons learned back. And then we all kind of win as a result. Like, oh yeah, I learned that you can't do this or, oh yeah, my, my MX records were messed up on my domain controller. I can't, you know, I needed to fix this. Oh, okay, cool. Now I don't have to go through that learning process again. So that was the idea. And for lack of better question that I think you're going to have a great answer to, how should we run our community? Um, it really depends on the intent, right? So um, when, when I was speaking earlier about the attention mechanic, I think that is, um, that is probably the strongest thing you guys can do. Um, and You'll, if you read, uh, there's a book called Made to Stick by Chip and Dan Heath. Uh, there's a couple books by them, and everything they've written, uh, without exception, has been superb. But there are two books. Uh, first is the Made to Stick book. Um, and in there, it's um, uh, they start the book off with like urban legends and what makes urban legends so pervasive and so sticky in people's brains. One of the things they talk about is uh, names. 
So the idea that if you put people's names in stuff in the story, um, they will hold on to the story. So if I were to tell you a joke and replace the characters in the joke with your guys' individual names, the joke that all of a sudden gets personal and gets either better or worse, but you'll forget it, you're less likely to forget it. Uh, the other book that they wrote is called The Power of Moments, and it's how do you take an ordinary sort of activity and elevate that to the point of being valuable and changing lives? Um, how do you take a relatively mundane you know, capstone experience, like congratulations, you've made it through 12 years of school and turn that into um, uh, a launching pad for a successful career. Most graduation ceremonies don't quite do that. And there's opportunities there. For example, when you talk about the, uh, you know, and, and one of the strongest experiences you can create is like an issue, an initiatic experience. Um, or um, uh, a uh, award kind of experience. When you start developing your community, make sure you have a strong initiation ritual protocol, mm -hmm. whatever you want to call it, um, a welcoming, a embracing, uh, a gathering and collecting and appreciating. Um, when you do that, uh, you'll find that people identify with a community. They, they, roll some of their own identity into the organization. And once that happens, uh, every, all bets are off. You now have believers and believers are powerful. That's really interesting. So we're starting our community with having done 60 some episodes, so 60 plus um, members potentially that will be <clears throat> coming into this community wonder do you think that the initiation when we start the community of all 60 coming together by us pairing people up maybe in a way would that how would you do the initiation for something like that where you I already have take, a pool of people and now you're just i wouldn't you know, have i wouldn't take 60 i'd take a dozen i'd take eight and make them mm -hmm. the founding founding members, give them their own experience, and then slowly bring in the rest of the the outliers. Um, make sure that your initial tribe, as it were, are folks that um, uh, you believe are going to be spark plugs in your community, folks that uh, engage, folks that care, um, and make them your founder circle. Yeah, I, th I think that's great. I think that's uh, we'll hit you up uh, for more brainstorming uh, on on the community to uh, to stick again with the topic of community. Uh, you obviously also ho host a podcast called Hard to Market Podcast. What value do, do you get out of that? Um, so, uh, all right. So there's there's a couple ways to learn, right? I mean, you can talk about the learning styles, which has been eh, debunked, but um, the best way to learn is from somebody else's experience right? Because it's a force multiplier. Uh, I can go out and learn how to play piano by myself, or I can watch somebody else who's learned how to play piano and get access to that, uh, like in a video game, right? I'm a big video gamer. And so um, learning from other people is outrageously the strongest force multiplier you can get. And from my podcast, I learn what folks that are wildly successful in the marketing space doing some 
pretty heavy and exotic things, I learn what works for them, which means I now have a new range of things to try for the businesses I work with. So. Do, you, do you promote referrals or anything on your show or is, it, is that the main purpose of it? So those are all byproducts. Uh, for me, it's the learning. Uh, it's the content asset that we create together in the room. Um, uh, in some cases, it's really cool. You get to help people find out what they know because they don't know what they know, right? Uh, like I started, like we started this whole conversation. I, I don't know what I know sometimes until I tell somebody what it was. Um, and so you you really find out how deep your sort of knowledge well is when you can interview somebody and ask them a question that's central to their professional activity. That's the other part of it. And, you know, we're, we're here now talking to it. The people that you're interviewing, you may be the only peer group they get. How many awards have you gotten from your peers? How many? How much recognition have you gotten from your peers? Ask any actor what the most important award they can win is. It's the peer recognition award. It always is. And so by you guys doing this and by, you know, with the podcast that I run, getting this peer interaction where folks are like, oh, yeah, you guys value what I have to say. You'll find folks line up for that all day, every day. Well, let me kind of turn that question a little bit then. Would you recommend a marketing agency starting a podcast, whether it is for like personal reasons of just kind of learning uh, or business or, you know, or for business reasons? Yeah. Yeah. Podcast is great. Like, how big is your network going to be when you're sitting in your office by yourself? Um, even if you go to the local networking events, um, more often than not, the folks that are showing up there aren't sweet spot folks for you. They're not either great uh, partner relationships or not good peer relationships. More often than not, those are a collection of local folks that don't want to sit in their office anymore. I'm not suggesting that face-to-face networking is bad, but focus-driven face-to-face networking is so much better where you can control or at the very least get access to a limited audience that's specialized. That's why the conferences usually are a much better play when it comes to the networking conversation. Uh, Or uh, do it on steroids, do it with podcasting. Um, I can specify position an organization. I can specify size of organization. I can get folks to be on a show that uh, really, you know, you can get down to uh, some very, very fine level of demographic detail. And you can't network that sharply, uh, that powerfully uh, locally. You're just not going to get there. Yeah. And, and, and just to kind of add to that, you know, I would say that uh, I think podcasts are, are, are- been great for us, um, especially if you're if you're using it for a business reason and not just like you know strictly personal networking. Um, bigger ticket items too are are a really good fit for this. So um, that's just one thing. That uh, the last thing I want to talk about before our final question. Oh, did you have something to add to that? Sorry. Well, no. I mean, it's just, it would have been a perfect opportunity to be like, and if you're thinking about starting a podcast, I was literally <laughs> going to do that cheesy voice as well. I was literally <laughs> going to do like the same exact thing and like. <laughs> All right. Uh, just in case to, to get everyone to the joke, uh, again, we kind of mentioned in the beginning, but um, Brian's with Podcast Chef who, who produces our podcast and, and we've loved everything about it. So uh, nice. yes, mini commercial in there. I was literally going to do the same exact thing. <laughs> Silly little voice. Uh, the, uh, yeah, I mean, if, if you're listening to this, like how many times have you decided that you're going to start a podcast? For me, I've started three podcasts 
before this one. And um, none of them made it really like in pub publishing, like past a few, right? Like maybe like six, seven, and then just like the mundane stuff of editing, posting it, you know, making sure that the summary is there, making sure it's getting views and continuing to reach out to new people. And, and uh, it's, since I was actually having this debate with, with one of my buddies over, over the weekend. And he was like, dude, how did you get to over 60 episodes? Like, that's like, that's consistent. I was like, yeah, we have seven more in the backlog. We're pumping out one a week. And he's like, he's like, how do you do? I was like, honestly, I just show up. <laughs> I just I just show up for the discovery call and I just show up for the recording. And there's the, the, there's some prep to do just for, you know, before getting on the call, you should know who you're talking about. And Josh takes that, you know, right. to a different level on steroids. But at the end of the day, Josh and I are just showing up. Everything else is taken care of. And I, I think, I don't know, that's money well spent. I'm glad you added that. Uh, I, th I think we can just round out the nice commercial. <laughs> now, I'm getting, now I'm getting all blushy. Podcastchef.com. <laughs> and you know what? My my last question before my last questions uh, is about another podcast. So, um, you know, you also have a Mason's work, which I, I don't know if you just started, but I, I kind of just found it in my research. So can you tell us a little bit more about what that podcast is and why you started it? Sure. Um, so uh, I'm part of a, a fraternity. Basically, it's uh, there are three Masons and, you know, um, uh, what, what I wanted to do was, um, again, the teaching kind of thing, just, uh, I love helping guys learn the things I've learned, whatever they are. And I'm not saying I have all the answers. I'm saying I have the answers that I have where I'm at now. And, uh, they took me a long time to get, and if I can shortcut that process for somebody else, that's what I want to do. Um, so I started a Mason's work, which was a, um, or still is a, uh, a podcast designed to help understand and use some of the Masonic symbolism in your day-to-day -day life. Um, it is secular in nature. There is no, uh, no extra stuff. And it is very much designed with a testing experimentation model in mind. Try this out. See what works. See how it works. And I wanted to start a podcast that didn't have a monetization component to see if uh, what it's like to run an, an interest-based podcast versus a business-based podcast. I wanted to see if I could, you know, learn what makes one successful versus the other. And uh, because I don't have uh, the only skin in the game in the Mason's work is emotional um, and it's not financial. Uh, the, the things that I can sort of get away with there are broader, I guess, in scope. Uh, and I wanted to see what I could learn from that as well. Yeah, I just wanted to kind of give you some space to talk about that because I, I uh, you know, saw some of the episodes, listened to one of them, uh, things that most people don't even talk about. And I think that's kind of what you're you're getting at. You know, I think it was about men opening up or men sharing something that they're not comfortable with sharing. So, um, yeah, glad, uh, glad you could share uh, a little bit more about that. Yeah. yeah. Um, anything else you were going to say on that? No, I think, uh, I mean those episodes are out and it, you know, you don't necessarily have to have gone through the same initiatic experience that I did with the Freemasons mm. to leverage some of that stuff. The symbolism is open and accessible. Um, it's very much again, because it's secular in nature, it's the kinds of things that guys might have relied on their local religious group to kind of build that foundational relationship. This is very much uh, open to open to a different, crowd 
as it were. Uh, I don't know if you've ever seen Boondock Saints, but every time I heard hear the word symbolism, I hear it how they say it in the middle. Symbolism. All right. Now, questions at the uh, at the end. Uh, if you had to teach something to other marketers, what would it be? Um, you know, uh, it's it's interesting because that's a pretty open ended conversation. But the reality is, you have to pay attention to what to the reality. Uh, of what's going on. Feedback loops are, there's no amount of banging your head against the wall that is, that represents a, uh, a learning, right? So, uh, I've seen guys try like 10 different, for example, on this referral sort of commercial setup, which was again, really easy to kind of see what the objective is. The objective is to go get a referral and the, the method is to deliver a 30 second elevator pitch. Uh, when you're in a situation where you can see this and how it works, um, it is very often that you want to ignore the, the feedback loop. You want to say, well, no, this was just a failure on my part to, you know, I should, I should be funnier next time, or I should be uh, a little bit different next time. And it's it, it. There is some fundamental underpinnings of the way we communicate with each other. That if you ignore them, there's no amount of method or um, approach that's going to solve for that. Uh, discrete example: the "What's in it for me?" conversation. Right? Um, if I can't tell you in five seconds or less about the pain that my solution, my product, my service uh, puts to rest. If I can't explain that pain to you in a way that's visceral uh, and clear and in the first five seconds, it doesn't matter what I do, right? You guys are WordPress engineers. Has anyone ever asked you what your dev stack looks like? Does it matter? What I mean, clients, clients don't even know to ask that. Right. Well, right. And and so if you were out there leading with your dev stack as part of your marketing conversation, you would clearly be losing. It doesn't matter whether or not you think it's important. That's you denying the fact that the market doesn't care. It's, but I've learned this. I see it with realtors too, but I've learned how this, I've got this specialty in asbestos abatement or whatever. And it's like, guys, nobody cares. What are you what are you trying to 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 communicate here what's the value you're bringing to the table and and that's the thing that i think a lot of folks just miss and you have to be really honest about whether or not you're listening to what the market is telling you and i say the market it's people we are we are people mechanics marketing is a people business and we use data and we try and say oh yeah we like we like to use this data to tell me how people works. Just talk to people. Yep. No, I, I love that. And this next question um, you can either do for Podcast Chef or Rentsmark or whatever company it kind of fits in this question. But um, how can you work with other marketing agencies or what services can you partner with other agencies? So in other words, you know, what do agencies tend to reach out to you for? Um, so with the podcasting conversation, it's it's folks that have a hard to market business where they have a hard time getting in front of a buyer. They have a long sales cycle. They're struggling with um, trying to figure out the navigate the maze of the proposal sequence and cycle and all this crazy stuff when they just want the people connections. They want to invest in building a relationship 
um, but they can't get there because of all of the hundreds of thousands of barriers to that attention, right? Um, we help folks blast through all of that. So you can talk to real people, product or service. I can't tell you that it's going to be somebody is going to be on fire when you've got your hose out and ready. Like that's not the mission, but the mission is to start to build the connections with people that matter for businesses that need, you know, that Harvard aren't been doing that. You know, we're not selling, most of us aren't selling bubble gum. CEOs, the, the, the most highly paid CEOs in the world still have to look at labels on bubble gum before they buy it. We're not in that situation with what we sell. In general, we're selling stuff that's a higher demand product or service. So the equivalent of those bubblegum labels is building relationships. How can I start to create some packaging that makes sense? I thought that was very important that you said, you know, you might not be hitting them if you are using it as a sales tool. Um, you know, you might not be hitting them when they have that fire. Um, but you know, you now can you're pretty pretty much gonna get a response every time you send an email, hopefully. Um, you can now, as long as you've either drip marketing or whatever it is, your follow-ups, let's just call them follow-ups. If you have a good follow-up game, then you can still kind of be top of mind, or hopefully you can be top of mind when that fire does occur. Um, so, you know, again, with this podcast, it's not like we hit people when they have their exact need, but we focus on our follow-ups. We focus on, okay, you know, one and Brian, you've helped with this so much. Like, do you know anyone else that might fit this? It's not just about that one person. When you say what dev noodle does, if they are in their own BNI and they, someone said that, that problem last week, you're now kind of spidering out that, that network and in, in not just that one person. So I'm always in the belief that you never know where things are going to lead. And that's why you should almost take as many yeses as you can. And I'm sure there's a good argument for the no boat as, as well. But when you take, when you say yes to a lot of things, little gems come and you, and you never would have had that gem if you didn't do it yes to everything kind of thing. I don't know if that makes sense. And and that's the other thing, Josh, I think you, you hit the nail on the head. The other thing that's really cool about this is that the search engine that people are, the, the people Google that you create with these relationships doesn't turn off. Right. This stuff stays in their head. Oh yeah. I know that two years ago, somebody was asking about this. Let me see if I can rebuild or resurrect that network connection or go find that out. The one thing I would add, and this is how I think about it, and maybe not everyone does, but people, what's the phrase? People remember how you made them feel, not what you said. And and I'm such a believer in that. Like if I can make that person laugh one time or just like actually enjoy this, this episode, you know, the, our recording, then like, again, I know I can always get in their inbox or whatever it is, but like, it's not even about that. It's just people truly, and, I, and I've, I've had this in my mind and I, I've seen it, that people truly remember how you made them feel, not what you said. So I think that's really important. It's not just about getting them on the call. Like, you know, maybe they could have a good time on the call. And th and then, you know, that opens up even more for you. So, um, so that, that same question just flipped around a little bit. You know, if a client asks, can you do this in something that you don't currently provide? How do you typically handle that request? Uh, it's a good question. It depends on whether or not it's core to the value. I think we can deliver and in a scalable way. Um, there is, uh, you know, most people start a business because they want to increase revenue and scale up. Uh, it's not a solo practitioner kind of thing. So, um, the, the only, the first criteria is, can we do it scalably? And the second criteria is, can we do it scalably and top tier? It's gotta be, you know, results you can't easily procure elsewhere. What if the answer is no to that? If the answer is no, then it's always referral. There is no, um, there's no like, oh yes, keep walking. <laughs> 
<laughs> it's wait. I just interviewed. You know, I'm I'm on my 170th episode. We've interviewed hundreds of people at this point, right? right. I can yep. find somebody that can get them one step closer. Uh, one step closer is always the mission. Right. Yep. Uh, and a few more questions. If you were listening to this show, I hope you listened to a few episodes. Uh, what topics would you like us to cover? You don't have to be honest or not honest with that second part of the question. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, Sorry. Okay. Uh, question was, uh, if you're listening to this show, what topics would you like us to cover? Um, you know, I, I didn't understand. And it's funny because we're here talking now. Uh, this is, you know, I, I talk to you guys every other week, minimally anyway. Um, this is the first time that I was, I was been able to connect the thing you guys do exceedingly well with the actual show. <laughs> I, I know it sounds crazy, right? But like all of that attention stuff um, is the mechanic. And I, what I'd like to see is leaning in more to that. You know, this is, this is Joe and here's what makes Joe absolutely amazing. Um, because you do all the homework. So the, the rest of it is just execution on that attention, that attention cycle. How can you give that attention in a way that is super powerful? Because again, the path you're on is the path to creating believers. It's lifelong, you know, partners. It's the kind of relationship that folks would give up last in the event that they had to give up a relationship because you made them feel great, because you gave them attention in ways that they couldn't get any other way. So I would just say lean into that. Like, appreciate that. Super hard. Um, if are you guys looking to hire any positions right now? Uh, not at the moment. We're looking to hire clients. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we're looking to grow. We want more at bats. We want more folks struggling um, that we can help, uh, so we can learn. Right, the, the more Thank different you. folks that bring their challenges to the table for us, the better we all get at what we do, and everybody profits by. Sponsored by Podcast Show. Exactly. <laughs> uh, last question uh, and my favorite question. Uh, any and this can be so. The question is: any book, podcast, or newsletter recommendations? It can be in business, it can be in marketing. It doesn't have to be. Uh, Once upon a time in Hollywood it was my book suggestion. I think on your podcast, so uh, you can share anything. Uh, so yeah, I mean, besides the Chip and Dan Heath stuff, which again is is amazing. Already I, added to the library. Yeah, <laughs> I've um, uh, I've done a ton. Of books over the years and um they're all good for different things right you, you do on walden pond with henry davis row because that dude was a scientist right you go watch him run his lab I love look it. at that I love um you do uh you do these things because you want to learn faster from somebody else um the problem with book recommendations is i can only tell you the books that were important in my learning journey they may or may not be good mileage for somebody else, um, but start with the Chip at Dan Heath stuff. Um, and then um, I'm right now focused a lot on the community development as well. Um, one of the hardest things to do in my experience is help folks that you don't have a hook in, right? So um, I work with a lot of community organizations, scouts, Freemasons, what have you. BNI was all essentially volunteer work when uh, the people that are participating are all volunteers. Uh, 
you have to have something that's not a financial incentive to help them engage. It's got to be bigger than money because you don't have the ability to withhold someone's pay if they don't do what you ask. You don't have the ability to, you know, take their health benefits away if they don't do what you want. You have to come at it essentially more honestly in many ways. Um, and so any book on leadership that talks about engaging community, Peter Block's got a couple books, uh, got a book out on community that's really good, um, that talks about how do you engage people um, beyond the financials uh, is the place I would go. So Peter Block's a, is a good place to start, but that power of moments is there's there's money at the end. there's money on every page of that book. Perfect. Uh, and as we come up to the end of the episode, I just want to give you an opportunity to mention how people can find you and anything else you'd like to end with. Uh, yeah, sure. I'm on uh, I'm on LinkedIn, and uh, the various entities and organizations that I play in are all listed on my profile. It's probably the fastest way to get hold of me. But um, uh, the other thing you can always do is find me on my podcasts um, just by typing my name into. Any of the podcast search engines, if we've been doing our job well, I should be easy to find. <laughs> um, and if you can't find me, when you do finally get a hold of me, let me know. That way we can fix it. Perfect. Yes. Uh, and thank you so much for coming on the show. And for those of you who have learned something new from this episode, please consider giving us a like or a follow so we can continue getting the highest quality of guests. And as always, thank you for listening, Brian. Uh, I'm so glad we did this. I love this episode. And, and honestly, maybe it's because you're a host, but you were like the easiest guest ever. So thank you. <laughs> Thanks, guys. So, so happy to be here. Thanks, Brian. Thanks for listening to the Masters in Marketing Agency podcast. I hope got a ton of value out of this episode. And before we go, I just want to thank our sponsors, DevNoodle. DevNoodle provides marketing agencies with the ability to offer their clients unlimited website design, build, and management services with fixed monthly plans. If website design, development, and maintenance is holding your agency back from growing, please reach out to us at devnoodle.com, where we make websites easy, easy for you and easy for your clients, devnoodle.com.